Welcome to Asking is Loving, where we believe that asking important questions is a way of loving God, others, and even ourselves. I'm your host, Amy Young, and in each episode of this podcast, we focus on one unique question and spiritual encouragement to help you live a more abundant, Christ-centered, and gracious life and equip you to be prepared to help your loved ones do the same. We usually start off each episode with me asking my friend Suzanne Heitzman the question of the week. We've been asking each other questions and praying every Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. for over 15 years. So she joins me here to help us see how a Christ follower seeking to walk daily with the Lord might answer the question of the week. Let's call her now. Hi, Amy. Hi, Suzanne. This question this week is so deep. I think so many of life's struggles with sadness frustration, irritation, and even anger can be connected to how we might answer and explore it. The question is, am I content with my level of contentment? And we started thinking about this way back before either of us were married, as we were seeking to live life well, even as we were waiting for our heart's desire to be fulfilled, to be married. And it's still a question for us now as people who are married with children, how do you process this question about contentment? Amy, this is a question I think we all wrestle with. My level of contentment fluctuates. And my question is, what do I do with my discontentment? Like you said in your blog, I want to have hope for the future, but be content with the boundaries I have for this day. And are these opposing feelings? I think some of the answers lie in our heart attitude. For me, I can tell my discontentment is entering into a danger zone when my hopes soon become my demands. I demand God do this thing for me. And if he withholds, I get a little irritated or anxious. And I began asking the question, why is God withholding this good thing for me? And if that question lingers too long on the inside of me, I start to feel unsatisfied and I run to other idols to try and fulfill me. And the Bible is full of stories of people just like us that run to idols when God doesn't meet their demands in their timing. So going back to the question, what do I do with my discontentment? I am learning to turn them into longings, something I deeply desire to see come to pass in my life, but give God the rightful place of bringing it to pass in his way and his timing. And you know, while we wait, I'm learning it's okay to grieve. Unmet desires can be a form of suffering. We may be waiting for a loved one to come to know the Lord or to be healed, And I think we have to give ourselves permission to wrestle, uh, to wait, and to trust in the one who does everything for 
our good and his glory. What do you think, Amy? Suzanne, thank you for saying that about having permission to grieve and wrestle while we wait and trust him for our good desires. You know, sometimes we as Christians may be tempted to focus only on a verse that tells us to be joyful. And we do have reason to be joyful and give thanks at any moment because of the truths we know about Christ and who we are in him, if we're trusting in him, right? But at the same time, there is acknowledgement in the Bible that there is sadness in this fallen world. We are called to weep with those who weep. Jesus wept when his friend Lazarus died, even though he knew he'd be bringing him back to life. He wept over the future of Israel. He was clearly not happy about the religious system of the Pharisees and Israel. He was able to be deeply moved in his heart by the troubles of people around him to the point of wanting to alleviate their burdens. He was troubled in his spirit at the thought that one would betray him. And he cried out to God on the night that he was betrayed over what he faced and even asked the father to take it from him. He did not only show joy at all times. Hebrews 4.15 reminds us that we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect, has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So your comment reminded me that we have a God who can sympathize with all our weaknesses because he lived on this earth fully God, yet fully human, and experienced the things that we experience. The theologian John Owen believed that Christ's sympathy with us means several things. First, it means that he is concerned for us when we are in need, whether that is when we're hungry for something, in trouble, or being tempted in a situation. Second, his sympathy with us means that he can relieve our suffering. He can provide for our needs. He can save us when we're in trouble. He can help us avoid engaging in sin. And third, Christ's sympathy with us means that he can experience what we feel emotionally insofar as our emotions are not sinful. He rejoices with us when we rejoice for good and godly things. And he mourns with us when we mourn over the loss of good and godly things. Even though he is now exalted, it would be a mistake to think that our great high priest is removed from our human experience. He isn't a savior who knows nothing about our condition. He can indeed sympathize with us in all of our weaknesses. 
And another theologian, John Calvin, said that these weaknesses include both external evils and internal feelings of the soul. Though this is the case, it's important to note that he did not act out in sin and he does not just stand beside us weighed down by emotion. Rather, he can and will refresh us and produce his fruit in us and enable us to respond in the spirit rather than the flesh as we turn to him. Now, I too have been trying to run to him more readily in areas where I'm tempted to wallow in frustration and instead turn that into a lament, um, a turning to him and crying out to him. I'm trying to think sorrow over anger or sorrow over irritation and frustration. And I'm seeing that he is always faithful to help me in those moments. So thank you, Suzanne. I think your thoughts are crucial to the Christian to consider. When we recognize discontentment, it can actually be viewed as an alarm to alert us to be aware of the possibility of running to an idol instead of our Lord, as well as an alert to check whether or not we're trusting God. Well, I think it's probably okay to not be content with one thing, and that is our level of contentment if it's out of whack. So here are some things um, that I am grappling with in the area of contentment. So I really want to know the outcome of parenting decisions now. You know, it's really hard to be content with parenting. (laughs) Instead of being anxious and discontent about the future, I would really like to rest more in God's care and sovereignty. I want to put myself out there in my writing and podcasting ministry and some business projects, but sometimes the vulnerability of that can feel painful. I want to hope and even work toward the future, but I don't want to be disappointed. What if I'm wrong or disappointed? Am I content enough with who I am in Christ and with what I have in him to um, keep going even when I'm rejected? Will I be content with whatever the outcome is? I want to plan for my day, but be flexible enough to still love my people well. Will I contentedly accept God's will for the day and not become frustrated or irritated when I don't accomplish all that I had in mind? 
So, um, yeah, these are some of the things that I'm pondering. Do any of my challenges spark thoughts of what yours could be? And as we think about our own contentment, let's look at what Paul said about this. He said, I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Philippians 4, 11 through 13. So what was Paul's secret to contentment? And what is contentment? Now, a common definition is that it's being happy enough with what one has or is and not desiring something more or different to be satisfied. So I'm wondering, are we destined to always be stuck on this path between where we are and where we want to be? And are we to even hope for more or different? Is contentment really a secret we must figure out? Going back to Paul and his contentment, I think Paul must have learned contentment through trials. And that seems to fit with my own experience too. It seems that as I've experienced life and its ups and downs, I've grown in contentment. But is it deeper than that? I mean, is that really what we as Christians should expect in regards to growing in godly contentment, that as we experience hardships, we'll get more able to accept life as it is. You know, I think Suzanne and I would agree that there's more to it than that, that there's more of a spiritual component to this than just bowing our heads and accepting life as it is. I think if we are in Christ and have his spirit dwelling in us, we can hope for more than this. Uh, Here's a quote from Charles Spurgeon that makes our struggle with contentment feel maybe a little bit more normal and inevitable. He said, when men have too much of God's mercies, strange that we should have to say this, and yet it is a great fact. When men have much of God's providential mercies, it often happens that they have but little of God's grace and little gratitude for the bounties they have received. They are full and they forget God. Satisfied, satisfied with earth, they are content to do without heaven. Rest, rest assured, my dear hearers, it is harder to know how to be full than it is to know how to be hungry. To know how to be hungry is a sharp lesson, but to know how to be full 
is the harder lesson after all. So desperate is the tendency of human nature to pride and forgetfulness of God. I think my hope in this episode, that's just an introduction to a series on contentment, my hope is to remind myself and us to not forget the great high priest who sympathizes with us, to remember that we can run to him. And while discontentment may be inevitable for us as humans, to remember that it's possible through the enabling work of grace through Christ to grow more and more into people who are content with him and with all his spiritual blessings. We will stumble, but we always have hope for growth, peace, and rest from striving to know and to be and to do and to have more. We have all that we need for life and godliness. Second Peter 1.3 says that his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Well, what do you think? Is contentedness more than just learning to accept life? Is there anything wrong with hoping and dreaming about our future? What do you think is Paul's secret to contentment? I hope to consider all these questions over the next month. Um, I'm introducing this topic and exploring it on the blog and podcast over the next month. So will you join me? Are you content with your level of contentment? If you'd like to explore this question uh, with me one-on-one and work toward a plan on how to respond to a life challenge in a way that glorifies God, contact me through my website at cornerstonechristcenteredcoaching.com. I work with women who are seeking to bravely follow Christ, even when it feels hard, scary, or sad. If you've benefited from this podcast, would you help me out? It helps me so much if you subscribe to this podcast as well as rate it. I would really appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you for joining me this week. I'll have a new podcast out in two weeks. Until then, I pray that the Lord will be showing us areas where we need to grow in contentment. And remember, asking really is loving. If you like this podcast, then I want to invite you to sign up for my monthly email that always includes a special encouragement toward grace and a unique offer just for my subscribers. I often include a free special resource or tool as well as regular drawings for my subscribers to receive lovely books by my favorite authors. 
When you sign up for this, you instantly get three freebies. A downloadable booklet called Asking is Loving, powerful questions to ask yourself and your loved ones. It's divided into chapters, each focused on great questions for various people in your life, yourself, your spouse, your children, and your friends. No matter where you are in life, there are questions you can use. You'll also receive a free scripture printable of Proverbs 4.23 and a free printable of the 10 daily biblical truths that I personally use. You can sign up for encouragements to turn toward grace by going to my blog, wastelandtograceland.com. I hope to see you there.